Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello Australia, welcome to My Millennial Money Today. I'm Glenn James and this is... John Pigeon. And we are here to help you make smart money decisions. Hopefully. We're not getting it right every time, are we? No. Well, I'm certainly not. I'm not above this crap that we talk about. Not me. (laughs) Yeah, it's a wild ride. But before we get into it, as usual, we'd like to thank our show partner. Because without Sun Super, the show would not go on. We just want to thank Sun Super for, one, supporting the podcast... Uh, two, allowing us access to their chief economist, yes. Brian Parker. And three, if you are looking at a super fund, we've all got super funds. Uh, this applies to most people, uh, except John. He's got a self-managed super yeah, fund. My looks pretty ordinary. Yeah, but they've got a really low administration fee. It's only $1.50 a week plus 0.1%. So that's pretty cheap in pretty terms low, of just it? an admin fee. Now, a bit of education. Most super funds have an admin fee, yeah. which is just the fee for you to rock up and have money on their platform or in the account. On top of that, you would have to choose your investment option yep. and there would be an investment fee as well. But either way you cut it with SunSuper's investment options, including your ad- admin fee, very, very cost effective. Yep, low. Yeah, so they yep. put their members first. So thank you, SunSuper, for connecting us with our listeners yeah so throw them in the mix if you need to i suppose you want a a combination don't you You what low running costs and you want performance yeah if you can get both of those and you smile up up. Mm. and i'm trying to see and i'm going to try and wiggle it if sun super will let let us do it to have him as like a regular economist and we Mm. get him on maybe every month or two now we're talking because i think it's just like he's such a like i've heard him speak over the last 10 12 13 years yeah uh, different events and conferences and he's really funny he's dry yeah. it's um it's a lot of fun yeah it'd be good so doesn't uh, chief economist sound pretty smick oh, i'd love to be chief economist yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i was in nashville this is the second part of the recording that i did when i was in nashville at ramsey solutions the head office tennessee tennessee uh it's really fun there Although there's, I was driving behind this because I hired a car because yeah. the Dave Ramsey, Ramsey Solutions studio is about 35 minutes south of Nashville. Right. So, it was going to be like a $50 Uber each way. And what, like in the country? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. And they've just built a brand new studio and it's like, it had to be five or six or seven stories. Really? Like the building that they work out of. It's a bit bigger than ours. A little, little bit bigger than ours, yeah. yeah. But it was cool, like the interview with Rachel crews that we put up last week and this week with chris hogan i recorded in one of their main studios yeah so i was at the main desk and it was a really fun experience and using the same headset as dave 
Yeah, well, actually, Dave used either this one or your one that we've got on right now. Really? So, ooh, scandal. <laughs> Which one was it? I think it was mine. No, nah, it was mine. So, it was really cool. He's mm. got like a team of over 900 people. Wow. So, they're just helping Americans make better money decisions. Unbelievable. Yeah. 900. Yeah. And his main form of life existence is podcasting. Well, no, it's a radio show. But the the podcast came out of the radio yeah, show. Yeah, just a replay it? of the radio show. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm. then Chris Hogan's got his own podcast and he fills in on the radio show. He actually right. has a call-in show as well. Yeah, okay. Uh, but, th- you know, the Dave Ramsey show, there's, I think, around 18 million people a day listen to his show. Unbelievable. Which is just huge. Nearly Australia. Yeah, basically. Mm. So, it was cool to... And I got a good look through the whole building. They showed me around different teams. I saw Dave's office. He saw, like, everything. Cool. It was amazing. Went down into the basement, saw the studio where Rachel Cruz films her show. Yeah. Which kind of inspired me. When I got back, I'm like, no, we need to do more video stuff. Yeah. So, head over to our YouTube and subscribe, My Millennial Money on YouTube, because we're going to be filming a lot more of our episodes yeah so. thanks thanks dave for making me raise the bar yeah <laughs> so i've told john no shorts in the studio it's pants only it's the immovable object versus the unstoppable force it's personal finance expert versus glenn james in today's episode of my millennial money glenn speaks with chris hogan from the chris hogan show they chat about chris's personal story his money mindset retirement planning and the difference between being rich and being wealthy. Well, Chris, thanks for joining me on My Millennial Money. And on behalf of our listeners, thank you so much for your time. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be on with you. Now, I guess I wanted to set the scene. Uh, You are a Ramsey personality, Mm -hmm. if you will. And I want to explain to my listeners, or have you explained to my listeners, kind of your transition uh, with your career Mm -hmm. before being a... I guess, American money personality. So, how did that start for you and how do we get to right here? Yes, interesting travel. Uh, but I started out in the consumer finance industry. Uh, so, we were doing high rate interest loans. Oh, you're one of the good guys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm talking 18, 24% personal loans, um, 17% mortgages. And it, it that began my first initial journey into money. Mm. And walking through that, uh, moving up the ranks, uh, and we collected as well as lended. Mm. Um, from there, moved into traditional mainstream banking and really started to begin to see this process of how people relate with money. First, it was the lower to middle class and then the middle to upper class. Well, I was seeing the same issues. Mm. Everybody was having an issue with either not understanding how to make money work for them or they had an appetite for debt. And fortunately, as I was getting more information and learning myself, had an opportunity to cross paths with Dave at a charity function and really struck up a conversation and uh, began to build a relationship, friendship, and uh, an opportunity presented itself for me to join the team. Mm. And so it was, uh, it was an amazing opportunity and a timely one because I was really transitioning from being a salesperson to really trying to help people. Uh, I'm a former athlete, and so a coach is a very important position to me. I uh, played football back in the day, and so having a coach around you is someone that's making you better. And so that's essentially what I did. I wanted to coach people and how they were dealing with money. So a lot of people who are in that consumer finance world, 
like I've met a lot of them, they're good people, right? There's no, I guess, underlying malice with most people. Right. They themselves can think that they've got everything together because I can get a loan and I can invest. But when you're in that kind of role, did you have your own financial life nailed, do you think? No, not at all. I mean, if anything, I was working hard. I was making money, but I was still having stuff, mm. you know, at that time. I uh, still had the mindset of debt as a tool. Mm. Um, and so, you know, it was not, I didn't get, begin to get my eyes really open until I got here. Um, and really were started to really understand what the FICO score really is an, is an indication of, um, it's an indication of your debt status, not necessarily your wealth status, uh, but really just seeing it differently. And, uh, it was a game changing moment for me. Yeah. Wow. Now, fast forward, you spend a lot of your time on an airplane, doing a lot of speaking events around the United States. You wrote a book uh, and it was released last year called Everyday Millionaires. And I'm actually halfway through that at the moment. And I'm loving it because I was a fan of the book, The Millionaire Next Door. Ah. And I think that was written in 1996. Uh-huh. So sure was. Pretty old now, right? Yeah, yeah. So I was always like, if only we could have someone to write a book that was kind of today. Right. Because it's been a lot of years under the water mm-hmm. since then. Mm-hmm. So what was the, I guess, why did you go on that journey? Well, it was really one of those that started at a media hit. I was on a panel and the guy that was last to speak made this statement. He said, well, the American dream is dead and gone. It's not possible for people to build wealth anymore. The little man can't get ahead. And I remember sitting there being so angry and so frustrated that a young couple would hear this, a widower or a single mom would hear that and think it's not possible anymore. And so I really set out to not only prove that it was, but I wanted to show the reality. And so we didn't want to just talk to a thousand or two thousand. We did the largest study of millionaires ever been done, talked to over 10,000 from all across the, the country to really get an accurate picture of who these people are. And what it does is it begins to chop down some myths to help people know the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because the Australian dream is probably just a derivative of the American dream. It's like, get the house, get the white fans, everything's well. Mm. I'm trying to set out in Australia that that's actually a fallacy because that's a line in the sand that we're aiming towards where we need to go, well, that line in the sand can be today and that can be financial freedom. Mm-hmm. So in your book, you talk about the mindset of people thinking that they can't do it and I can't be a millionaire. So, what would you say to that person who might think that they cannot get there? And I guess I will say before you answer that, Chris, America has a big influence on Australia in terms of our culture. However, the, I guess the word millionaire, I don't hear that much in financial circles like I do in America because I guess America capitalism and, you know, we champion everyone's success and we really want everyone to succeed. Mm-hmm. Where in Australia, it's the opposite. We call it tall poppy syndrome. If someone shoots up, society wants to bring them down. Ah. So it's not really talked about that, I want to be a millionaire Mm -hmm. in Australia. But I'm trying to set the tone of, you can be financially well off. You can provide for your future today. So now that I've finished my uh, TED talk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Here's what I think it boils down to. And I've talked to people from all types of nationalities, and I've yet to meet 
a parent or a grandparent that doesn't want their child or grandchild to have better than what they had. Mm. I just have, I've never met anyone. And I always ask people, I go, well, in order for your child or grandchild or great-grandchild one day to have better, what has to happen? And people will inevitably look at me and say, well, I've got to do better. And I go, that's exactly right. We have to do better with what we have right now. And that's whether you're making 20000 a year, 30, 40, 50, it doesn't matter. I think the first thing that has to happen when someone says, well, it's not possible for me to be financially free or to become a millionaire, I think the first step that has to happen is you've got to take an introspective look. You've got to internally kind of begin to think, why is that? Where, what, why do you have that thought process that you can't? And most people have told me, A, I didn't grow up around it. I've never seen it. And the only idea I have of people that have freedom or are millionaires are people that are athletes, entertainers, or musicians. You have to be famous Mm -hmm. in order to do that. And so one of the things I talk about in the book are three things that has to happen. You've got to, number one, believe that you can. And that belief means you're going to have to challenge some thoughts uh, the way you were raised. Maybe your family didn't do well with money. Maybe you've never seen it handled well, or maybe you've made some mistakes. But you have to believe that it's possible for you to get there. The second step is you've got to grow in your knowledge. There are all kinds of free resources, podcasts. There are books you can go to the library and check out, articles you can read, blogs, and things of that nature. As we grow in our knowledge, that's imperative. The third step is crucial and the and most, most important, take action. Mm. That is starting to budget, starting to tell money to go instead of wondering where it went. And so we can do these things, but it requires us to decide for ourselves. Yeah, because it's actually... It's so important because it's not just about the money. No. It's about choice. It's about I can do more for more people. That's exactly right. I want to have options, okay? I know life will require me to do some things, but I don't want to have a bunch of have-tos. I want to have some get-tos. I want to get to do some stuff, not only for myself and my family, but for others. And so that mindset of us looking at this, and I'm going to tell you, you can ask anybody, if I were to give you $5,000, can you think of five people you could give $1,000 to? Mm. And people automatically can. And here's the reality. People would if they had it. The problem is, is they're living paycheck to paycheck and they don't have margin. Yeah. And I think I'm a little bit polarizing, particularly in the fire community, uh, particularly because I believe the dogma in the FIRE community, and if you don't know what that is, it's financial independence, retire early, just Google them, everyone, and you'll, you'll see. And the dogma is so horrendous because it's actually all about the money. And I think it's about living life on your own terms. And you can do that today. You do not need to wait 10, 20 years before you do that. I agree. So. I agree with you. And here's the thing. It's not with retirement. And my first book, Retire Inspired, came out in 2016. That was America's wake-up call on retirement, I called it. Mm. Because too many people were just thinking the government's going to take care of them, right? And that's just a fallacy. In that, what I was talking about in there is us, you know, retirement, it's not an age, it's a financial number. Meaning, you need to have that dollar amount put away for you to move to what's next. But it's the what's next part. It's not just not working. It's where you're going to go be significant next. Mm. How are you mentoring young people? How are you staying engaged in your community? Uh, because it's important. People need to be involved with others. Life is not meant to be done alone. This is a community game. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And you need to have people in your family, but you need to have friends. But we need to be reaching back, helping some young people avoid some of the mistakes we've made by sharing them with them information that can help them. And we've got the information now that wasn't not around 20 years ago. <laughs> it's so wild. It is. It's so wild. I mean, it's amazing. And we have so much information at our fingertips. Growing up, I'm about to tell you a word, my friend, that I know you, you don't know about, Glenn. Mm. You're an educated man. I know you do. But the old school encyclopedias. Mm. Okay. And there was these volumes of we things. We had Britannia. Yes. Oh, Britannica? Yes. yes. I didn't even Br- know. Britannica. Britannica. Encyclopedia Britannica. And I, my grandmother and grandfather used to have these volumes, you know, there's like 20 of them. And you'd reach and you'd pull it down and you could read on something. Now we have computers on our hands mm. with our phones. So it's not a lack of information. I think it's a lack of awareness and then the ability to decide. Growing up, I don't know about you, but taking field trips, we used to have what's called permission slips. Yes. Did you have those? Yes. And you had to take it home and your parent or guardian had to sign it in order for you to leave the school and go on the field trip. Well, I talk about in my book, Everyday Millionaires, you know, as adults, nobody has to sign our permission slip anymore. We get to sign it. And what we have to do is realize we have choices. Mm. And I don't Mm. want you to have this mindset. And there's a victim mindset in America today. And I I talk about this and and I get some heat from it. But this victim mindset is that I've got to blame someone else for my lack of results. Mm. And I think that that's wrong. That's with the study that we did with these millionaires. They take personal responsibility. If something went well, then that's good. If it didn't, they didn't blame anybody. They looked internally to decide what do I need to do to fix it? And I think there's something to this where I'm not looking to blame others or having this scarcity mentality thinking if you're successful, then I can't be. And I think we, we ha- I have to battle against that mindset. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's the biggest problem that I find in our culture. And I'm not above this. I'm sure you're not above this. It's apathy. Mm. And the apathy can creep in like a fog of war and you can look up and it could be one or two years and you have not moved the financial needle, the goal needle, the relationship needle, whatever that is. So I think it's even listening to podcasts like the Chris Hogan show or My Millennial Money, all the concepts are the same. We are just here to encourage people to get out there. Go get them. Absolutely. Listen, my life mission statement is to educate, encourage, and empower as many people as I can while I'm on this earth. Mm. What I'm doing is, is I'm wanting to champion people and to believe that they can do it. And I, don't, I know we all have, here's the reality. We all have different start points, right? Meaning your family may have taught you a little bit about money or maybe they didn't. Or maybe you were able to start off making a little bit more than average or not. We all have different start points. I'm not disagreeing with that. But we're running the same race. And we all get to run. Nobody can control your speed. You get to control how fast you're going to move. And that's what boils down to that sacrifice. And that's what I like what you're saying about you don't have to wait 20 years to live. You know, we can make choices right now to impact our future, but we can also enjoy the day. We really can. And mentally really starting to decide the mistakes that I've made in the past are not going to be this thing I'm going to keep repeating. Yeah. And I guess if you're listening and, you know, you, you've woken up this morning and you're listening to my high-pitched voice and you know, <laughs> the other end of the <laughs> spectrum over here with Chris, it's, you know, you're here now. Let's get on with it. Yes. And I think it's just so important that we just can't be rich overnight. We can't. And it leads me to my next question because it is a process. What's the difference between getting rich and building wealth? Because uh, I, I love this. When I was reading your book, 
Like you just nailed it. Yeah. I, I, when I hear the word rich, I immediately start to think of the get rich quick schemes. I immediately start to think of friends of mine that have called me, and Glenn, you're not going to believe this, but calling me and they're asking me about investing in Bitcoin mm. or or doing this other leverage scheme where they're pulling money out of their house to go invest. And I keep hearing this, get rich quick, rich, rich, rich. Rich to me has a negative connotation. It means it happened quickly, right? Wealth is something that's built over time. And so I prefer the mindset of working to build wealth by being intentional. You respect wealth, you do not respect riches. Yes. Because riches accrue instantly. Wealth takes time. It, it takes your effort. It really does. And and the reality, I've seen people that have become rich. Uh, athletes, they got money, and they're very talented. But if you're not prepared to handle money, it'll handle you, mm. meaning it will leave. Everyone else has a plan for your money if you don't. And it's really important for us to begin to think differently about it. But we have to learn these basic skills, Mm. you know, and history. What's the statement? If we don't learn from history, we're doomed to repeat it. And I think some of those financial cycles and some of the things that are going on, if we don't wake up and shake up what we're doing, then we're doomed to continue to repeat it. You touched on um, the high paid athlete, for example. We've got a lot of listeners who are A-grade household name athletes mm. in Australia. And I know them. They've messaged me. We've talked. What would you say to them in this period of their life? Because a lot of the times they're under 32, 33, under 35, under 20, and they're printing money. Yeah. What are you saying to them? I would tell them, just like I'd tell the American football or basketball player, uh, you've worked hard and you're being paid for a talent. Uh, number one, don't take that for granted. Um, understand the fans are why you get to do what you do. Mm. So d- don't make sure your heart's right. You make time to sign autographs and you make time to talk to people. Someone else behind you is coming up. You know, you're about to become irrelevant. And so that heart is important. It's funny though, Chris, because I asked you about the money. <laughs> <laughs> I know you did. But that's just it's the heart. so important. It isn't is it? heart. It's 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 very important. And I think that starting with that mindset, you understand you are fortunate to get to do what you do. So there's the gratitude aspect to mm. that, right? Mm. And I think that gratitude aspect can then help you move over and go, I want to be a wise steward of this money. I want to handle it well. And so it's okay to have some fun, but I want you to plan for the future. I want you to plan to make an impact in your community, whether you're starting a a soccer or a rugby club in your community where you grew up, or you're helping a college or or something, do something and make an impact with it. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think that's what we're called to do. I think all of us have that desire. And so they're in a unique position to be able to do it anonymously. They don't, it doesn't have to be out front in front of the TV, but make an impact while you can. And I'm even thinking, so for example, if you're a, uh, a high paid professional sports person and I like rules of thumb and I'm sure you do as well to a point, you know, if you're generating a million, even $500,000 a year, you would probably want to make sure that you're living on well under 20%. Oh, I would, without a shadow of a doubt. And you can, right? Mm. And people see, I think people can go from two different mindsets. They either go, okay, well, I'm not going to spend any and I'm just going to hoard it, mm. right? Or I'm spending everything that comes in my hands. And I think there's a fine line. Mm. It's important to save and have a mindset of, do you realize the legacy you have an opportunity to start in your family, where your great-great-grandkids can benefit from you being wise now? Mm. And you can enjoy some stuff. 
you know, but how many cars do you really need? Yeah. How many homes can you live in? And let's be wise about it. And uh, I remember telling a group of guys that were just drafted for American football. I said, you know what? Here's what I, want. I don't want you to do. Don't try to make up for growing up broke by going broke. Mm. And I said it to him again. Don't try to make up for growing up broke by going broke. Meaning, don't try to make up for all the things you didn't have growing up. Be mindful of what you've worked to now, but let's have a plan. A plan is how you got here. You followed a coach that led you, that you worked as a part of a team. Those same attributes and skills are those very things that can help you move forward financially as well. Mm, absolutely. Now, in this day and age of the internet and you know a lot of online media places, it's all about the clicks and web traffic. I see this a lot in Australia, and I'm sure it's probably on steroids in the States, right? When you were in finance as a credit agent or whatever they called you, you know, you were a professional, but your life was probably a train wreck financially. Are you seeing sometimes there's journalists who are writing about finance, making sweeping statements that are just categorically incorrect or influencing the public with, you know, just, they've just got no idea and they're just doing it for clicks and it's clickbaity. Like, do you have any comment on that? Oh, I think it happens a lot. I think you'll have people that are really interested in um, the feedback or the attention, Mm. uh, not necessarily engaged in the content. And so, yeah, I I look at those things with a, you know, uh, just kind of a a fine tooth comb. Uh, And I call some of it out. You know, my my listeners will send me articles and they, they, you know, I tell them, said, email it to me. Ask at ChrisHogan360.com. And when they want me to rant on something or get riled up. Yeah. And uh, they'll do that. But I think, yeah, it's out there. But I, I have a heart to want to teach people the information. I want people to hear the truth and know what's possible. Mm. And, uh, you know, the crazy thing is, is Glenn, we all can make mistakes financially and your listeners are sitting out there and they're like, you know, well, Chris, you don't understand. I've done this or I've done that. And I'm like, listen, I get it. The beautiful part is, is that where you are right now is an opportunity. Mm. You've got an opportunity to grow forward. What we don't want to do is keep repeating the same mistakes over and over. Let's decide different. You're going to have different for your kids. You want different for your future. And that decision brings requires sacrifice. Mm. See, we're good at writing down goals. We don't ever talk about the sacrifice part, meaning we all will talk about what we want. But I, I ask, I go deeper with my listeners. I say, what are you willing to give up to get that? Because, see, as an athlete, if we wanted to win a game, we had to give up some, some, some free time and practice. We had to give up free time and work out and train. And I think that same kind of principle is relevant with our money as well. And this is the problem. Like, with the amount of easy credit, we don't have to hear the word no. Oh. And it's robbing our future. Are credit cards crazy over in Australia as well? It's getting ridiculous. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. What's your average rate over there, would you say? It's probably 17. Okay. Yeah. See, ours is hovering around 19. Yeah. You know, it's you ridiculous. Know, the weird thing, in Australia, it's law that the highest amount of interest that you're allowed to charge is 60%. <laughs> is how much? 60 like with the payday lenders and whatnot. They can, oh, yeah. Like, Ours here can hit between 150 and 200. Now, they just cracked down on them. Yeah. And so now what they did was the payday lender shifted it. And so now it's a revolving loan, meaning as you make payment, you have access to it again. Wow. And so it's the same kind of jungle. It's just got some different lines in it now. Yeah, I just asked people who, who were you know, in credit card debt and like, how much of a blessing has it been? Mm. 
the answer is it hasn't been. So what are you doing? I tell people it's a thief. Totally. It steals from you right now. But also because you are having to pay that debt, it's stealing from your future because you're not able to invest it. Yeah. So if you've got a credit card and you don't want to get rid of it, I just want you to get it out and get a texter and write on it, no prosperity. Because every time you use that, you're spending tomorrow's prosperity. So just have that. In the short time we've got together, Chris, in your book, you said 78% of millionaires use basic retirement savings. Is that it? Listen, that's almost 80%. The number one tool these millionaires use to help them build wealth to get to millionaire status was everyday employer sponsored retirement plans 401ks, 403bs, IRAs, Roth IRAs. Translation superannuation in Australia. Okay. They, they, they saved. They invested over time. Uh, get this. You're not even going to believe me with this one. Yeah. If you've read the book, you, you've digging in. When I saw the stat that a third of the millionaires, a third of these, never had a six-figure household income, it blew me away. A third of them. That meant if two people were working outside the home, together they didn't make six figures, but they still were able to reach everyday millionaire status. Now, how is that? And you start to think about it. Well, if if I get myself out of debt and I'm investing consistently over time, it is possible. I... It blows my mind because I'm a big, I guess, advocate of using retirement savings. I cap out mine every year. Everyone thinks you're crazy, Glenn. You know, you might need that money. I'm like, hey, if it's out in my own name, I'll spend the bastard. Like, <laughs> like number one, if it's in my own name and it's even in investment, there's a chance I can draw it down and yeah. buy something because I'm a spender, right? Yeah. I've had to hack my system. So, you know, I might not, I'm, I don't want the money because I want it to be locked away. Yes, <laughs> you do. Yeah. And thankfully, it's locked away in a tax haven. Well, that's so funny you said that. You said you're a spender and you had to hack your own system, mm. which meant what you did was, is knowing you, you put yourself in a position to succeed. Absolutely. Right? And so I did this with a friend of mine. He was notorious for going to the ATM, right? He would put money in his savings and he'd pull it out. And I said, listen, I'm a former banker. I said, here's what I want you to do. Go in and disconnect your savings account from your debit card. He goes, what do you mean? I go, disconnect it so you can't use an ATM. And he said, well, what do I do if I need money? I go, well, number one, you've budgeted or you've planned for it. But if you run into a situation, you'll have to go into the bank, stand in line, and wait. That's how they used to do it back in the day. He did that. He started saving 1500 extra a month by disconnecting it. And so I like that you said hack yourself. You did something to help you win. And that's what people need to do. You'll, you'll probably like this one. I look, like Because I don't have a credit card, right? I just, again, hack the system. That's right. I mean, yeah, Glenn, you can use it to get the points. It's like, well, I'm spending more anyway, so I'm just buying the bloody points. So whatever. <laughs> a lot of people are like, but what do I do in an emergency? Mm-hmm. Um, could you tell me how many times you've needed $1,000 that day? In an emergency, it doesn't happen. It's the emotional crutch. Have cash in the bank. That's right. You could have your own emergency fund. Totally. And that's what we tell people. Have the $1,000 starter emergency fund. Then from there, again, to tack your debt with the debt snowball. So it's smallest to biggest. Once you do that, you build up a fully funded emergency fund of three to six months of expenses. Yeah. Yeah.
Easy. But it's it's the the, the, the world. The, we have commercials over here that make credit look fun. Uh, we make it look cool. And so it's really helping people to battle out of that and having a paradigm shift. Mm. And I tell them, once you learn to count, you can't unlearn it. One plus one equals two. And when you see that, what they're telling you with credit cards is one plus one equals three. And that doesn't work. And so what I want you to do is think and stand up for yourself in your future. You have an opportunity. And again, we've all made mistakes. But where you are right now doesn't have to be where you end up unless you stop. Last discussion point. I love this in your book with investing. You talk about the two biggest risks. The first one, people playing it too safe. And the second one, not having a long-term plan. Yes. And those two things are crucial. Playing it too safe means that you never give your chance to get your money into the game. You never give it a chance to grow. And we all know inflation is real. The cost of goods is going up each year. So if you're not growing your money, i.e. investing, it's shrinking. And so we don't want money to shrink. We want it to grow. Long-term plan means that I'm not in and out of the market. I'm investing with a long-term view. I save for things three years or less. I invest for years, five years or longer. And it's just a perspective change in how I'm looking at it. Yeah. I've got a lemon tree in my backyard. It's dwarf lemon in a pot. It's amazing. Okay. Grows lemons once a year. When I planted that, every week, I didn't go out to the backyard and pick it up and look at the roots. (laughs) Because it would just kill it. That's right. So, And when people are pulling money out, once they're investing, that's exactly what they're doing. At the bad time. That's right. Yeah. And so so I tell people, just relax. Investing is like riding a roller coaster. They're going to be ups and downs. But I like riding roller coasters. But I wear my seatbelt, right? And I know everything's going to be okay. And, And so when you have that mindset and that perspective, it helps you to relax and just be calm when everyone else is freaking out. Love it. Chris? Thank you so much. Where can we find you online? Oh, you can find me at chrishogan360.com. That's chrishogan360.com. And on Insta. All the things, at chrishogan360. Love it. And everyone, buy his book. It's really fun. You know, I'm, I run a bloody money podcast, but I'm not above this crap. I mean, <laughs> get encouraged, stay encouraged, be encouraged, invest your bloody money. And keep learning. You know, I love that you're doing that. And I, this has been a fantastic, fun conversation. Uh, Thank you for taking the time. Love it. Thanks, Chris. Absolutely. See you soon. See you. Bye. Hi, I'm Shell. And I'm Em. We have a podcast called My Millennial Career. So if you're looking for some tips about work, you've got some questions on how to deal with your boss, or maybe some inspiration on a career change, you can head on over and subscribe to My Millennial Career wherever you're listening to this podcast. So there you have it. He's got a very deep voice, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. How old is a big dog? <sighs> he wouldn't be... He, I reckon he'd be around your age. No way. Let's go to a listener question. Liasha, if that's how you pronounce your name. Sorry if it's not right. Uh, she's got a question. If work is going to stop you from living in the same location for the next three to five years, would you recommend rent vesting until you know where you'll be in the same situation or same location for longer good question not necessarily i presume she's talking about maximizing her investments here in terms of growth um i think she would need to look at the market that it's currently in presently just to make a decision on that and her appetite for investing what can she how much can she spend versus the cost to rent 
over that next three to five years. Yeah, I go back to Sydney five years ago. Mm. Right, Sydney was an opportune market to, to buy five years ago. If she was in that city five years ago and she knew she wasn't going to be there forever, if she knew what Sydney's market was like, she would be buying then and not renting. Yeah, but you're starting to get into crystal balling-ish. Well, no, she's just doing logical market research. Yeah, that's Doesn't fine. Doesn't mean she's selling that property when she leaves in five years. Yeah, well, I guess the way I would see it is, number one, we don't want to buy a principal place of residence unless we're going to live there at least five years. Yeah. So, we all need to agree with that. Yep. But your saying is, if it is the right market, you're going to live there for three years. If you need to move... It's okay because that property is still in a great market. Yeah, correct. And she's may have paid down some principal in that time. By the time she moved on, the rent's covering the, the running costs of that property and it's turned into so an investment it's, property. it's different than I've got to go and work in Timbuktu yes. for three years. Yes. You better to just rent out there. Yeah. So, it's market specific. Um Rent costs versus mortgage costs and a few different other factors, but- mm. Yeah, it's not a, a, a straight black or white. If in doubt, just wear the hat of we want to buy property yeah. and not live in it. Yes. Where's the best location to look at? It might be where you'll be working for three to five years. It might not be. Yes. So, But, but be aware to look at those things and not just emotionally do I want to live in, buy something now yeah. or not. Yep. Yeah, sweet. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for sending that question through and thanks everybody for having a chat today. Yeah, thank you. Bye. If you're after personal financial advice, this podcast is not for you. But if you do want a financial advisor or mortgage broker to talk with about your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com, click get help, and we'll put you in touch with one of our trusted professionals. If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns, and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, CanStar, and Finder. Find out more about SunSuper at sunsuper.com.au forward slash choose. You can join SunSuper online in under five minutes. Many people do not realize that slavery still exists in the world today. That's why My Millennial Money supports A21. We want to highlight A21 as they work to abolish slavery and human trafficking all across the world. If you want to support A21, visit a21.org.au for more information. If you're listening to this podcast, there's a high chance you have disposable income. Glenn has a mandate to get everyone giving, saving, and spending in that order. Now, we want to encourage you to be generous with your money, but choosing an effective charity can be difficult. An amazing resource you can use is thelifeyoucansave.org.au. You can donate to them, and they'll distribute your donation to a variety of life-saving and life-changing charities around the world, with a focus on eliminating extreme poverty. For more information, visit thelifeyoucansave.org.au. Thanks to Jess Knaus, executive producer, Laura from La La Social Club, and me, Asha. Uh, anyway, make sure you stay connected via our Instagram, our free Facebook group, or if you want to turn it up a notch and be on the inside of the show, become a member of M Free Private. For further information about what's going on, check out the links in the show notes.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 